0: Simple, loving God. Everybody say it together. Loving God. Loving God. One more time. Loving God. How do we do that? Well, I believe we've got explicit instructions here. In the book of Luke, chapter 10, is where I want us to start off with. Luke chapter 10. And we've been in the book of Luke for a while, but um, for those of you that are like, man, I'm tired of the book of Luke, guess what? We got the rest of our lives to read from the gospels and from the word of God, and it's all inspired and the longer that we go through something the more we're gonna pick up the whole picture that's why I'm doing that I want you to see the whole picture as much as we can so if we would stand together out of reverence for reading God's Word Luke chapter 10 starting in verse 25 Luke chapter 10 starting in verse 25 we're gonna look at a very common quoted parable but we're going to look at it from a different angle this morning. Luke 10, 25. You got it? Say amen. Amen. All right, here we go. Let's read together. And behold, a certain lawyer... He's a lawyer. Take note of that. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? Lawyer, what's written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But, everybody say but. But. Sometimes those get in the way. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You may be seated this morning. We can't even get past that without looking at what is being said in this passage. My first question is this. Why do people ask questions that they already know the answers to? You ever wondered that? I know that uh, this doesn't happen in your home. You might go into the bathroom and somebody go, Are those your socks? (laughs) Why, yes, they are. Is that the response that they're wanting? As a matter of fact, those are my socks on the floor. Have you ever had that happen to you? Is that your plate on the table? Why do people ask questions that they already know the answers to? Sometimes it's to test them to see if they know. In this situation, that's exactly what's happened. We have a lawyer, well-versed in the law, asking who he labels a teacher. Lawyer, teacher. That's the way he was looking at it. Law, you're asking the teacher a question that he knew the answer to because he wanted to see if he knew it. It's unwise for a student to test the teacher. Amen? It's unwise for a student to test the teacher. But it's even more unwise for the creation to test the Creator. You see what I'm saying? Though this man didn't realize it, he was speaking with God himself. He looked at the very one who was there at the creation of the world and decided he wanted to stump him with a question. How foolish. That's us sometimes. This lawyer had a very high opinion of himself and a very low opinion of Jesus. Or maybe he didn't quite believe who Jesus was. The key is that the lawyer knew the answer. It's from Deuteronomy 6.5, from Leviticus 19.18. They would have known these first five books of the Bible, the Torah, some of which would have just about memorized those first five books of the Bible. Think about that. Well, they didn't have, you know, video games and a whole bunch of other things to occupy that brain space, and so they could put it to actual good use. I can't imagine memorizing the first five books of the bible but this lawyer he knew the law and he still has questions for Jesus Deuteronomy 6:5 Leviticus 19:18 love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and your neighbor as yourself why do people ask questions they already know the answer to sometimes we do this because we want a different answer. You ever done that? Hey, here's here's what's going on. Here's what I here's what's going on in my life and blah blah blah. What should I do? And you get the answer. Note it. Next person. Hey, here's what's going on. Oh, okay. Let me ask somebody else. Hey, here's what's going on. Oh, I'm going to take that advice. That's what I wanted to do all along. Ever been guilty of that? Asking people a question you already know the answer to so that you can get a different response, the one that you like better. This lawyer here, more than just to test Jesus, he takes it a step further, wanting to justify himself. But let me talk about this for a second. If you make up your mind and look to find people who will agree with you, you will often find them But many times, it's not to your benefit. People who tell you what you want to hear, number one, are lazy. I want you to listen to this. People who tell you what you want to hear, number one, are lazy, and they just don't want to argue with you or state their case, state why they think that. You ever had somebody be like that? Oh, that's what you want to do? Yeah. Two. They are scared of you or scared of you choosing not to be around them after you tell them the truth. You ever see that? Well, I I know what I need to tell them to do, but I'm afraid if I tell them, they won't want to be around me anymore. Three, they're trying to manipulate you. When people are just telling you what you want to hear, many times those silver-tongued people have studied you, They found something they want to get from you and they will tell you what you want to hear in order to soften you up to get that. How many of you have ever found that to be true? Just a couple. Don't be naive. (laughs) Don't be naive. It happens all the time. Young people especially, you will experience this. You will experience people telling you exactly what you want to hear so that they can manipulate you. They can get something from you. Here's another one. Why do people tell you what you want to hear? Here's the fourth reason. The first one is they're lazy. They don't want to argue. Second, they're scared of you or they're scared of you not being wanting to be around them anymore. The third, they might be trying to manipulate you. The fourth one, they don't love you enough to take the time to disagree with you. That's a bitter pill, isn't it? Take it. I don't have any sugar for you either. Some people will tell you exactly what you want to hear because they don't love you enough. Listen to me carefully. They don't love you enough to take the time and disagree with you when it needs to be done. I tell you what, some of y'all need to go back to that real friend that family member that loves you, that acquaintance that stepped out on a limb for you that you've been avoiding, and thank them for loving you enough to tell you the truth. I believe that with all of my heart, that we have people here today that need to go thank someone for telling them a difficult truth. We need more people in our lives like that, not less. Amen? We need more people who are willing to tell us the truth. Otherwise, how are you going to get better? Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Well, that's not true. A friend wouldn't wound me. A friend wouldn't hurt me. Tell you what, there's times when you need to be smacked around. There's times when we need to hear the truth that hurts. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. kisses of the enemy are deceitful. So, someone who loves us will tell us what we need to hear rather than what we want to hear. And this lawyer came to Jesus wanting to test him, but also wanting to hear something from Jesus that would leave him feeling justified. Point number two is this. Let's look at Luke 29 again. Luke 10 29, it says, But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus, could you clarify who it is you're talking about here? Clarify that for me. Who is my neighbor? Have you ever went to God's Word looking for clarification? Not wanting to know what the Word really says but wanting to know if you can get away with what you're wanting to do. You don't have to raise your hand on that one. That is a rhetorical. I'm asking a question I already know the answer to. Yes, we've pretty much all done that. And we need to ask repentance when that happens. Here's a point. This just screamed out to me when I read this this morning. Do not question the Word of God in order to justify your I'm going to say this a few times. Do not question the word of God in order to justify your actions. Question your actions. Because the word of God is unquestionably just. We should always question our actions before we question the word of God. The word of God has always been just. It's always been true. It's always been right. We, on the other hand, not so much. I'm not going to ask you, but I wish I could have this past week had the presence of mind to ask everyone here, what's the stupidest thing that you've ever believed? I believe some pretty dumb ones. All right. Some of y'all have been sitting in the auto zone for blinker fluid and you went. (laughs) Know who you are. Some of us have been snipe hunting and cow tipping on the same night. Okay. There's been some stupid things that we've kind of bought into in the past. We need to realize that we've been wrong. The Word of God has never. There's been plenty of times we could go back and we were unjust. The Word of God has never. Why would we question the Word of God when it comes to our actions? Well, sometimes we've made up our mind what we want to do. And we're looking for an excuse to do that. Why is it that when... The government declares things that we know the Word of God is against to be moral. That people still hate Christians. They still want to ban the the Word of God. They still want to ban the Ten Commandments. They weren't ever looking for the right to do those things. They were looking for God's approval or man's approval or any type of opposition to be erased because when you step out doing what you know is wrong in the sight of God, you will find no peace in His presence. Ooh. So, what many people do to find peace is they try to flee from the presence of God. Ask Jonah how well that went. You want to run from God? That's interesting. That's an interesting concept. You know, they had communion in space. You know that? They had communion. Why? Well, because he's there too. Where are you going to go to get away from God? Make peace with him because he's always going to be there. Amen? Don't question the word of God in order to justify your actions. Question your actions. Because the word of God is unquestionably just. Flip over with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. I want your eyes to see it, so turn back there if you don't mind. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. I could be reading something off the wall, and you guys wouldn't know if you're not looking. One of these days, I'm going to start reading the Martha Stewart recipe for monkey bread, and I want to see who looks up at me like, that's not what my Bible says. That was random. (laughs) Y'all met me yet? 2 Timothy 3, 14. But you must continue in the things... Everybody say continue. You must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known... Everybody say known. The Holy Scriptures... Which are able to make you wise. Everyone say wise. For salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work i'm looking at this list and i'm not seeing where it says all scripture is given by inspiration of god to make you feel better or to make you happy or to help you justify doing what you know is wrong it doesn't say that on there but it can teach you how to live rightly and that's what we need we need that in this day in age Here's my question for you. If you know what it says, the next thing is you must do it. This lawyer knew, he knew, but we know that he was not doing that. He was not following Christ at this moment. That's why Jesus says, what does the law say? You've read it. What does it say? What Jesus was saying is, read it. Believe it, do it. Amen? Simple. You cannot make a recipe by reading the recipe and looking at the ingredients. It'd be ridiculous. I mean, some of these home systems, these wireless systems, hey Google or hey Alexa, they're pretty great. Hey Alexa, what's the recipe for monkey bread like we were talking earlier? Okay, Alexa, make it. We ain't there yet. And that's scary because you know how kids love that, love to use those things. We're not there yet. It's not enough to know what the Word says. Next thing you have to do is to do it. Now, we're talking about loving God. Brother Craig, what in the world has this got to do with loving God? I'll tell you what it has to do. Look over in the book of John. John chapter 14. Here's the cool thing about the Word of God is it agrees with itself. And if you need clarification, you just go back to the book. John chapter 14, 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Want to read that again. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Whew. Verse 24. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you, but the helper. Everyone say the helper. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. You know what the Word says. Next thing you must do is to do it. How can we love God? We hear His Word. We believe His Word. Then we follow through and do His Word. I tell you what, I'm just going to that church. I'm not getting fed. That preacher's so simple. Okay, is it easy? Do we need to be reminded of things from time to time? We need to hear the Word, believe it, and do it. That's how we show our love to God. He showed His love for us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do we show our love for Him? We hear the Word we believe the Word, and we do what He's asked us to do. And here's how God speaks. One, He speaks through the Word. We know at this day and age, he, Jesus says, he, the Bible says in the book of John that He was the Word. And as He was speaking to His disciples, there was a man named Jesus standing there speaking to them. And so they were able to take it in through their ears. I've never been able to do that. One day, in glory, I'll be able to hear God's word in my ears, an auditory message. The disciples got an auditory message. That's one way. The next one is to see the word. They were able to, to, to determine from the scriptures, like he said in Timothy, you've been taught this from your youth. You're able to see the word. We're able to open God's words. We have the Holy Spirit, we have his word, we also have his people. His people. And I'm not talking about Christians that are only in name, but the ones who you know are living for the Lord. God can speak to you through other believers. Amen? Amen. Some of the most important messages I've ever got in my life didn't come from me opening the Word. It came from somebody else opening the Word, and they were obedient enough to tell me. Sometimes it was from the pulpit, but sometimes it was in the grocery store or wherever we just happened to be. Sometimes people would come to me and say, God is wanting me to tell you something. I don't understand, but here it is. And they didn't know what I was going through, but they obeyed. Sometimes God speaks through his word, the Holy Spirit, his people. Sometimes God speaks through circumstances. Through circumstances. You ever have something happen? and You take two steps back and you go, okay, God, I hear you. I hear you, loud and clear. God can speak through circumstances too. Here's the question. Are you listening? And are you showing your love to Him with obedience? Brother Craig, I don't get it. When you say obey, that sounds nothing like love as we understand it today. It doesn't, because... Love is so tainted a word that's been used today. We don't, we don't fully get it. We don't fully grasp what love is anymore because we have a holiday where it's chocolate-covered cherry cordial things that are disgusting. Nobody really wants those to begin with. Nobody knows you want the turtle clusters. <laughs> Getting sidetracked again. Or maybe it's Roses. That's love, right? Here's this beautiful living thing. I love you so much, I'm going to kill it. <laughs> and then you can display it. Uh, it's going to be dead in a couple of weeks, and you're going to throw it out. Well, what is love then? Well, it sure doesn't die like those flowers, does it? And it's not gone after a couple days like those chocolates, a couple hours you me love lasts and God has proven us his love for us and what he asks us to do is listen and then believe how can we claim we love God if we can't believe him if we can't trust him how can you say you love him if you can't trust him you're questioning his character does that make sense you see, this needs to be put together so that our minds can understand it. When God speaks of obedience, you got to know that He loves you and He's trying to prevent you from all kinds of things, from going through all kinds of hell on earth. God is trying to prevent that. He wants to work in your life. And He wants you to hear. He wants you to believe. If you're here and you're lost... The unbelief that you have is keeping you from loving God. Well, I don't understand how a loving God could fill in the blank. That's because you don't believe what the Bible says about Him. The Bible says that He is love. And there is no shadow of turning in Him. There is no evil within Him. If you believe that, then everything else that you see in the Word of God corroborates that statement. And if you have a question about it, you take it back to the most foundational belief. As I sang as a child, God is so good. He is so good. God is so good to me. He cares for me. He cares for me. God is so good. And we're we're having a struggle in faith in this generation because there's so much false information that questions, that foundation, that one, God is good. I'm telling you people, you can trust, you can trust him. And if you want to love him, then you must believe him. You must believe him. Finally, this is my last point, loving the Lord with obedience. Now that we've put it together, you understand because it's so strange to us. Because we get this idea of, well, if you really love me, you'd let me do what I want to do. If you really love me, you'd let me do what I want to do. Okay, go play in the road, kids. Sure, let's have ice cream for every meal because I love you. We know that's not true. And we know that love demands that we do what's best for somebody rather than what they want. We know that love demands that we tell a hard truth sometimes rather than and easy untruth. Here's how we love the Lord with obedience. If you're lost, that means you don't know Jesus. You haven't truly believed in Him. You've heard about God, and you have not made up your mind or your heart, however you want to see it. You haven't made it up. Is He really good? Is He really the only one? Can He really save me? I want you to know, if you're on that side of salvation, that means you're lost. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin and death and to put it bluntly that means a place called hell how could a loving God send anyone to hell you're absolutely right he does not want to that's why he sent his son to die in your place all you must do is believe once you believe in him then you're going to repent it's just what's going to happen because belief requires action. Belief is not something that you say. We could come to this altar and all of you could repeat after me. Like Constantine, he thought that baptism was the way and so he told his whole army, you're going to get saved today. We marched him through the river and said, praise God, they're saved. That's ridiculous. And just because you repeat some words after a preacher or a deacon doesn't save you, you must believe. Real belief becomes repentance real belief becomes repentance when you make him lord when you make him boss that means that you will struggle with this for the rest of your life don't get me wrong but at the end of the day you take what you want to do and what he wants you to do and what he wants you to do wins amen that's what being him being the boss is. You take what you and you say, But I want to do this, but God wants me to do this. <laughs> Who do you trust more? Well, God, I've got to trust you. I'm going to do what you want me to do. That's that's what belief is, and that's what people are missing. It's not a prayer you pray, it's real, it's something that happens. Are you listening? Lost person, if you believe and you repent, make him Lord, he will save you. Christian. Have you been baptized? Jesus has already said, we know this, that this is to fulfill all righteousness. No, it doesn't save you, but he said obedience is important for a new believer. The first act of obedience is baptism. We've seen God work through baptisms. It reaches people, and I can't explain why it reaches people. Maybe it's the picture of Christ dying, and when they put him in the grave, we go under the water. And then we're raised to walk with newness of life. I don't know exactly what it is, but God's asked us to do it for a reason, and guess what? I trust Him. I trust Him more than my understanding of what's going on there. I trust Him. Christian, have you been baptized? Next, are you being discipled? You know that God wants you to be discipled. He doesn't want you just to be saved. He wants you to plug into a Bible study. He wants you to plug into a group of believers. He might want you to plug into this one. You're going to have to ask him on that. This is a family. We love each other. We're imperfect, but we pray for each other. We've got each other's backs in the good times and in the bad times. We celebrate and cry with each other, and our goal is to reach this community, this world, lost people for Jesus, to train them how they can reach lost people for Jesus. That's what we're doing. Finally, Christian, are things in your life moving in such a way That you have been asking many people what they think you should do so that you can hear the response that you want. Are there things in your life that you need to repent of? Or are you just waiting for the next person to tell you what you want to hear? Take it to the altar. Take it to what you know to be true, to the Word of God. And then finally, Christian, has God called you to serve, to minister, to witness? Show him love through obedience this morning. Darkness, you can start serving right now. I will follow you over oh, my lighthouse, my house. I will trust the promise. You will carry me safe to show. Oh.